Hello out there, all of our listeners. My name is Andrew Stewitz, and I am pleased to be joined by co-host and not just any old co-host, former three-time All-Star, 2019 ERA champion, and six-season veteran of the IBL, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Lazar. What's poppin'? How's it going, man? Oh, we're good. We're starting a, a new podcast. We're starting a, a baseball podcast. Yeah, inside the IBL. Inside the IBL. I can't. I'm not sure if uh, if there's been like a a dedicated IBL podcast in the past. I can't find one. And I as, can't find one either. As someone who's new, relatively new to the league, um, such as myself, I. Um, I've been trying to consume as much as I can outside of just going to Toronto Maple Leaf games, um, and yeah, there's not really there's not really anything out there as far as of uh, an audio or an audible podcast. Yeah, I know each uh, there's a couple teams that have one. I know Guelph. Uh, I think it's called Royalty uh, with Ryan Eakin. He does a podcast uh, dedicated to the Guelph Royals. Nice. The league itself did a um, like an interview series type thing on YouTube during COVID just because there was no season and trying to keep people involved um, where they would interview players and GMs and things like that. But yeah, I think this is the first, uh, the first of its kind. So uh, trying to be trailblazers and give the people uh, another way to consume, consume IBL content. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of the point behind it all is that we're, we're just looking to, you know, introduce people who maybe aren't familiar with the league, get them familiar with the league, but we're also trying to give those who, no baseball and especially no IBL baseball, the opportunity to, I guess, just get behind a little bit more of the power rankings and get behind some stories and maybe hopefully one day get some interviews going with some of the players. And yeah, it would be great to get like a, like a John Salazzo in here. Yeah. Toronto Maple Leaf legend. It seems like we can get him in. He's having a year. Um, yeah. I mean, for me personally, the reason that I, uh, that I decided um, I wanted to start this podcast, um, and thank you for, for helping out with that. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, so as some people may know, and some people may not, um, I had shoulder surgery, uh, just over a month ago and, uh, I tore my labrum probably early in the season last year, uh, pitched through it, couldn't do it anymore. So I had to get the surgery. And, uh, because of that, I'm out for the year. I'm not able to play this summer. Hoping to be back next year, hopefully, um, just as good as uh, as things have gone in the past. Not last year. No, please, nobody. Nope, don't go look at my numbers from last year. They weren't good. Um, but, uh, yeah, hoping to come back and uh, and uh, and do that. So I was trying to figure out, you know, I've got a lot of free time on my hands this summer because in the past, my summers have been occupied by playing in the league. Right. And uh, the league's done a lot for me, and I, I, I loved my time in the league um, thus far, and I want to stay involved. So I figured how... Can I best stay involved and what can I bring to the table that have maybe hasn't been done before, right? And so I approached the league and I, I came up with the idea of the power rankings first. Um, and the way I looked at it was, I know players are going to read this. I know people that have been in the league are going to read this. Um, and the best way to do this is to have a credible voice behind it. And I feel like I've been around the league long enough and I know enough about the IBL to... Um, to kind of shepherd that and to be the voice behind that and give it credibility and credence. 
Um, and so with that, uh, so I've gotten pretty good reviews on the power rankings. Not everybody agrees with them, but that's that's kind of the point. It's kind of the point. You don't um, have to agree. You just yeah. have to read them and follow. And we love to be. If you don't like where you are in the power rankings, just play better. Play better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's why I chose to do that. And then you know I've gotten pretty good reviews. Uh, spoke to a couple coaches, a few players. Um, and they're all enjoying it. And so, and the fans seem to be enjoying it as well. And I was like, okay, how can, what can I do to give them more content? And, um, it's, uh, it's roughly like a thousand to 1200 word article. And I don't want it to be much more than that. That's already a lot of writing, but I do have more to say on it. Um, and more to be able to kind of explain why things are the way they are and give people more insight on how I see the league and what is going on around the league. Um, and so I came up with the idea of doing a podcast because um, it's an easy way to consume a lot of information quickly. And yeah. so, uh, you know, anything that I can do to help promote the league better and, and, you know, give the people more of the IBL, I don't think uh, I don't think it can hurt. So, well, no, it's been it's been a pleasure for somebody who's not um, like I said, not familiar. I kind of just discovered it recently and have been had the pleasure of going to Toronto Maple Leaf games at Christie Pitts Park and taking some photos and kind of chit-chatting with some fans and some of the players even and it's it's legit these guys are legit yeah. the talent is legit um and and the power ranking system I think that you've introduced is is fuel to that mm -hmm. um you know the players read it they get some fuel from it, you know. Oh, trust me, they read it. Yeah, I know, and, and they, I hear about it. Well, you can't escape that. No, but I think that for me, it's always great when you can kind of hear like, "Oh, we saw we slipped a second. We really need to step it up, and we need to play better." And then they come out. I just use Toronto as an example. They came out that particular weekend, and they they dummied them. You know, they they had a good weekend. So we're now week five. Power yes. rankings week five. We're a quarter of the way through the season. Feels like it just started. A quarter of the way already. And we've seen teams jump um, a couple of spots from, I know, week four to week five. Um, but before we dive into more of like the power ranking stuff, um, what have you seen from the league so far? What are your major takeaways a quarter of the way through season um I think the biggest takeaway for me personally um being around the league for as long as I have and I've heard this also from other people who've been in the league for a while is that this is the this is the best that the league has ever been um and I'm not just saying that to to kind of puff things up uh most people that follow the league regularly would also tell you the same thing it's the level of competition and the caliber of player and the level of seriousness that the, these games are taken with is at a higher level than it's ever been. I'll tell you, when I came into the league in 2016, um, a lot of it was uh, almost like a glorified beer league, right? Like, um, and, and that's not to disrespect any of the players. The, the quality of the players were good, but the attitude towards the actual league itself um, wasn't at the level that it is today. And it was fine. It was, it was good competition. Um, those Barry Baycats teams are still some of the best teams that I've ever played against. They were loaded. Um, and Brantford before them. But um, in terms of organizationally and approaching the game day atmosphere and the uh, off the field marketing stuff, and now, now like we didn't have video uh, and audio back then. 
Uh, now all the games are live streamed on YouTube. Uh, for the fans to follow, right? It's it's just become an overall much better product. And because of that, the players also take it more seriously. Um, one of the things that's always made the IBL unique is that it's a mix of uh, former professional players, uh, a few imports, but most of the league and the lifeblood of the league is um, the working man. And so a lot of these guys, John Salazzo, who you mentioned earlier, he's a train conductor. Right, that's his that's his job. Night shift. Night shift. So he'll he'll finish a game on a Wednesday night and head to work. You know, they, uh, they recently were in a game. It was last Wednesday where he had to leave early because the game had been going on for so long. And he had work. He had to work. Yeah, got to pay the bills. And th- their replacement got injured, and I think they brought in uh, Yoshida to uh, play third base, which was crazy. Yeah, how'd that go? Not great. Um, <laughs> and that's not a slate on Yoshida. He's just no, not a third baseman. No, he's awesome. Uh, great utility guy for Toronto and and one of the fastest players that I've seen on the team. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's a third baseman, um, you know, by nature. So I think the first the first ball to him wasn't great. But other than that, he bounced right back and the inning, you know, was fine. But anyway, not to cut you off, but you were saying that the, the league runs around the working man. Yeah. And it's it's apparent when you, you see some of these guys, you see their families come out, you see that they have lives outside of being you know ibl all-stars or ibl stars it's just 100 percent, and it's what makes it what it's what makes the league so great and like these guys are so dedicated um you know to for a lot of these guys who are a little bit older right like there's a couple dudes in the league um people who have been around will know these names stefan strecker and brett lawson uh they're well into their 40s and they're still playing and as pitchers to be able to keep your arm in shape to be able to keep your arm healthy um, Lawson's not throwing 94 like he used to, but he's still he's still throwing it up there. And uh, you know the the dedication that these guys show to the game while also having these these jobs that they're doing, um, where the IBL really isn't their number one priority, uh, but they make it one of their top priorities. Still, it's uh, it's really admirable, and it's what makes the league so great. In terms of uh, the actual teams in the league, uh, early season takeaways, uh, I will tell you that there's a lot of a lot of things that have gone kind of as expected and then a few surprises as well. Um, I like surprises. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I like surprises when they're good. Uh, Not all surprises are great. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's been a couple of unfortunate surprises, but it is still early in the season. Um, uh, obviously, the, uh, uh, you know, the Welland Jackfish have been uh, an absolute wagon since the, uh, since the first week of the season. They dropped their first two games. Uh, got embarrassed by Kitchener at Jack Couch, and they haven't looked back since. Um, they've turned things around 1-9 straight. We expected them to be near the top, though, so that's not really much of a surprise. Um, the London Majors on the other end of that, if we're talking about surprises, the back-to-back champs are currently near the bottom of the standings. And, and seventh yeah, in they power are, rankings. Yeah, they're Four seventh in the power rankings, and I think they're they're sixth by virtue of they haven't played as many games as eighth. Um, right. and so that's, uh, that's, a a difficult, um, a difficult spot for them early on a little bit of that championship hangover, maybe, you know, um, they still have some dudes having really good seasons. The usuals are still playing really well. Uh, Keith Kandel's gotten off to a decent start. Byron Reichstein's been outstanding. Uh, Owen Boone's been one of the best pitchers in the league, probably the best Canadian arm in the league, uh, year in and year out, but they just can't. Uh, they just can't find ways to win games right now. Um, a lot of beating themselves, but uh, we'll get more into each team specifically as we go here. 
but yeah, I think, um, you know, there's uh, the biggest takeaway would definitely be that the quality of play is better than I've seen it in a very long time. And where do you see, I mean, Wellens at the top? They're not going anywhere by the looks of it. They're 9-2. and two. They've been absolutely dominating with a plus 42 run differential. Um, they don't seem to be slowing down at all. Um, it's kind of up to, I guess, Hamilton and Toronto to kind of battle for that, I guess, second place, I suppose. Because it seems like first might be a little bit, you know, out of the way pretty soon. Yeah, and the interesting thing, and as as a newcomer to the league, you'll uh, you'll figure this out uh, just like we all figure it out with the IBL, is that things change quick in this league. Um, and uh, I remember a few years ago, Barry, when they had won, I think, four or five straight championships, started the season six and six, didn't look super great, and then they added a couple of imports that just carried them the rest of the season, and I think they lost like two games the rest of the year. So things do change quick. Um, the thing that a lot of people have to remember is that the first month of the season um, is definitely not indicative of how things are going to finish. Uh, guys are just now starting to get back into that, getting used to that routine of showing up to the park three or four times a week, um, getting those regular swings. A lot of guys don't have access to that uh, on a daily basis. Um, so that's where uh, like now around this time of year is when you're really going to start to see teams show who they really are. Uh well, and obviously, you know, as I mentioned, they've been they've been great and they're going to their level of play. I don't see dropping, uh, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to win the whole thing or anything like that or stay at the top the entire time. I think Toronto has more than they've shown us. Um, I think Hamilton Hamilton's really interesting. So I don't know if you know this. Uh, and for anyone who's new to the league, Hamilton changed ownership last year coming into this year. Uh, they have a new o- new owner. Uh, his name's Eric, and shout out Eric. Shout out Eric, and he's been he's done a lot uh, for that team. Completely rebranded the team, uh, completely changed the logo, the uniforms, changed the painting on the walls at the stadium, put up advertisers, uh, gotten a mascot. Like he's completely re- revolutionized that franchise and given it a new life, um, and that. And then they added uh, their their new general manager now, George Halim. Uh, he's very well connected amongst the younger generation of Canadian baseball players. Right. And you can see that with some of the additions they've made with Clayton Keyes, uh, Tyler Duncan coming back, um, a guy like Danny Berg. Uh, these guys who, they're just really, they're talented, scrappy players who just play the game hard. And uh, Hamilton's identity, uh, from even going back to when I played for them, they've always been a very scrappy team who just they they just find ways to stay in games and make things uncomfortable for you even if they're not the most talented team because I'll tell you right now I don't necessarily think that Hamilton's the most talented or second most talented team in the league but that doesn't mean that I don't think they can compete for the championship or they can compete at the top of the league obviously I have them at number two right now and that's strictly on their consistency they haven't lost back-to-back games this year they're the only team that can say that um And so they just, you know, they've been pitching the ball well, they've been playing good defense, and they've been getting timely hitting when they needed it. Uh, Looking at Toronto, the question with Toronto is their pitching staff, right? They're not very deep um, on the mound. 
I don't expect that to stay that way all season. I expect them to add some arms. Um, it's just a question of whether or not they're going to add enough. The other thing with Toronto, too, is I think for them, this regular season, and while everybody in the IBL makes the playoffs, for them, I think this regular season is of utmost importance. Um, last year in the playoffs, I believe they only lost one game at home the entire postseason. Um, Might have been two, but they were dominant at home. Um, they they took all three home games against, uh, or they took both home games against Welland in the semis. Uh, unfortunately, lost in six to London, but... Anyone who's played in the league will tell you that playing at Christie Pitts is not a fun time when you're a visitor. It's not It's not an enjoyable experience at all. It's a tough place to go and win. And so, Shouts uh, to the Bushmen. Yeah, shout out to the Bushmen. Shout, big shout out to the Bushmen. If you are unfamiliar, folks, the Bushmen are probably some of the most entertaining hecklers that I have ever encountered. Um, it's always family friendly. Yes. And... It is some of the most creative. I just, I don't even know how to describe it. They're chirps, but they're, but they're so creative. They get you kind of thinking, like, oh my gosh, like, you start looking at your own pants and you're wondering, like, oh my god, I hope mine don't flare <laughs> out that way. Like, they're calling out guys for their pants being too tight, and the next guy for their pants being too loose, or for the extra leg kick, this and that. Like, they or notice his too long. They or... notice so many things. Yeah. And they do their research. They know the players' names. They know their nicknames. They know the coaches' names. They know where they went to school. They know and, all kinds of different things. And they are able to get a guy off their game really fast. 100%. If you don't have a thick I've skin, if you can't knock it down, do you have a Bushman story? Like, do you have one that you remember just sticking out to you at all? Or um, So... I'm not gonna name names here. Nope, no um, problem. Because I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do that. But of course not. Uh, there was a situation where uh, one of our pitchers, uh, when I think I was still in Hamilton at the time, uh, one of our pitchers was on the mound and he was throwing and whatever, and they found out where this kid went to school, and then they found out that he got cut from that school. Oh no! And so they just let him absolutely have it. Uh, and that was, that was tough. There was also a situation, um, with another player where he had a, uh, he had a tough go of it. I think he was, I think he was playing short and he booted one ball and then they started yelling at him and then he booted another ball and then he booted another ball and you could just tell that it was getting in his head. So it is, it, it's definitely effective. I don't, I wouldn't say it affects everybody, but it is, everybody hears it. Uh, any player who tells you they don't notice the Bushmen is flat out lying to you. They're, oh yeah, they are. You can't miss. You them. can't miss. You them. cannot miss them. Yep, and they're always up there on the bush every Sunday, um, doing their thing, putting up the Chadwicks, singing their Mara songs, um, and it's a uh, it's a very very entertaining experience for anyone who hasn't uh, who hasn't experienced it. Yeah. So once again, just shout shouts to the Bushmen. Uh, I can't I can't get enough of those guys. Um, do you want to get into some power rankings? We can do that, yeah. Yeah, and talk about that a little bit. I know that I know that we've seen, like we mentioned, uh, we've seen, well, Wellen jump to first. Hamilton jumped two spots to number two. Toronto, they fall to number three. Kitchener's sitting there at number four. They were number three last week, so a little movement there. And then, I mean, the rest of the list, unfortunately... Um, 
I mean, we've got to give them give them all shouts. You got the mm-hmm. Barry Baycats at five, Guelph Royals at six. Like you said, London sitting there at seven. Um, then you got Brantford. What's going on in Brantford? Let's start there and maybe work our way up. Yeah, with Brantford, they've um, they've had a uh, a slow but serious fall from grace. Um, the Brantford Red Sox had a dynasty um, back in the late 2000s, early 2010s, where they won, I believe it was six straight championships. I think them and Barry are tied for the longest championship winning streak. Um, and back then, they would sell out that place and. It was it was it was a place to be. Like their their roster um, was a borderline double A professional roster. Like they were absolutely stacked. Um, and then after that run, after those players left, obviously winning six straight championships takes a toll on everybody. And at some point, you gotta you gotta say enough's enough. But um, after that, they were kind of a middle of the pack team. They were sitting you know anywhere between third and sixth, uh, kind of bouncing back and forth. Still a very respectable um, uh, opponent uh, for for every team in the league. And they were still competing there, going to semifinals, winning playoff series, things like that. And then the last couple of years, ever since since COVID, um, and I think even in 2019, I can't exactly remember, but things have just completely fallen apart. And um, last year they only won two games, uh, both against Hamilton, um, who, as I mentioned, also was going through a little bit of turmoil. Right. Uh, and like, it's, it, they, they had a head coach, they let him go after two games into the season. Um, but I will say they've been playing a lot better baseball recently. Um, and, uh, they've played better in the last two weeks than I saw them play at any point last year, even in, in their two wins against Hamilton. Uh, Kitchener is a very good team. They went into Jack couch and they, they blew them out of their own building um, also beat Guelph in Guelph earlier this year. So they've already matched their win total. So things are going in the right direction for them. Uh, I'm, I really, really want to see them get back, uh, to that level where they are competing for championships and they're competing to be one of the better teams in the IBL. I just don't think they're, they're necessarily close to that right now, but they are going in the, in the right direction. How does a guy like Danny Howitt, how does he kind of take, his dominance and hope to translate that to the rest of the rest of the bullpen and maybe even their starters. Yeah. It, as a, as a pitcher, it's difficult um, because you know, you can only control what you can, what you can control when you're on the mound uh, with Danny Howitt. The one thing that's interesting that I've noticed is as a starter, he's really struggled as a reliever. He's been one of the better relievers in the league. Um, I believe he had, he's had four relief appearances, all multi inning appearances, uh, he gave up three runs against London, but besides that, three scoreless outings. Um, he had seven strikeouts in one outing, six strikeouts in another. Uh, so he's been really, really good out of the bullpen. I would say um, it's it, the best teams have guys who excel in their roles, and I think if Danny Howitt is uh, used properly, as he has been um, for the majority of his season and put in a position to be successful, I think that that could also help them uh you know, he, he can't do it all himself, right? And if they can get a little bit around him and get him some support, maybe a starter here and a starter there, a guy to maybe, you know, get get to the end of the game, I think that can uh, that could help Brantford as well. Well, they're currently sitting 2-10, and ten, so they've got a little bit of catching up to do. But like you said, a lot can happen. You know, you string together a couple of wins, and 
you're not sitting maybe at the at the bottom. Um, w- do you think that? I mean, I, I guess the question would be, you know, what what is the number one thing that if you had the chance to do, how do you take them from being number eight and projecting them, maybe putting them into four or five? How do you get them there? Um, it's 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 hard to have an answer to that question because I just think they're so far away from that. Um, I think the difference between seven and eight right now is vast right i think if i'm i'll I'll break the ibl down into kind of how i see it when it comes to different tiers so right now i would list the teams in roughly four different tiers uh, at the moment so at the top tier i would have welland and right now i would probably have welland on their own at number one in the second tier and it's not far behind i think any of these teams could jump up into that top tier like in a week um in that tier, I have Kitchener, Toronto, and Hamilton. I'd have all three of them in that tier. Uh, in the next tier, I would go Barry, Guelph, and London at the moment. And then I would have Brantford, the tier below that. Um, like for them, they just they, they, they make a lot of mistakes defensively. Uh, I think it's tough because, especially in the IBL, right? It's about guys wanting to come out and play right. and coming off of a two and 40 season. It's really hard to expect that a lot of guys are going to want to come back and be back for that, right? Like, it's not fun to show up to the yard and lose every day. So, I think what you got to do is you got to take a long term approach to this and, and build off of college players who are looking for a place where they're going to get playing time and they're going to get an opportunity. Maybe build a little camaraderie together and you can take that then going forward to where they build together. And you know, you're only going to win, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games a year. Well, 10 is a lot better than two. 10 is a lot better than two, but you got to, you, you know, let's say they even win seven or eight games. The truth is a lot of college players, wins and losses are whatever for them because they're not even here for the playoffs, uh, seeing as how the playoffs start after their school would start. Right. So you build those college players, right, um, and you have a long-term view of we're just going to build a team that's going to stay together for a while and, um, you know, enjoy coming to the field and being with each other so that when – they are matured and they are out of school, we can supplement them with pieces around them to be able to build a competitive team. So I, I don't think I don't think it's a one-year fix. I don't think it's something you can fix this year or next year. But I think if they take the right steps, and they do have some younger players, um, but I think they need to really go all in on that college, um, that, that college theory right there. Well, you mentioned there wasn't, or there was, you know, quite... A separation even between seven and eight and number seven we talked about the uh the championship hangover of the london majors um they've also only played 10 games so they're sitting they're sitting where they are um relative with two games left to be played for them or i guess two games at hand um led by who you are calling arguably the best Canadian pitcher in the IBL right now, and that would be veteran righty Owen Boone, leading with 31 strikeouts and is currently tied for second in ERA. But it's not so much the pitching that are hurting the majors right now, it's their bats. Their bats are screaming minors instead of majors. What can you tell me about that? 
Yeah, they the London majors are a really interesting case. Um, they get a lot of benefit of the doubt because of the fact that they've won back-to-back championships, and a lot of those guys are still there. I mentioned Byron Reichstein. I mentioned Keith Kandel. Um, but they have lost some key pieces as well. Um, year over year, I know Chris McQueen uh, isn't there anymore. And McQueen didn't necessarily contribute the most on the field the last season, but he was a really good locker room guy. Everybody really liked playing with him. Uh, really good teammate. And so losing guys like that makes it really difficult. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for them, it's it's difficult, right? Because, yeah, they're four and six, but as as we mentioned, right, they've three of their wins are against Brantford. Um, and not to, to necessarily continue to harp on Brantford here, but that means that you're one and six against the rest of the league. Um, and that I think is more of a representation of where you stand than your than their actual record. Um, Owen Boone's been fantastic. He's been fantastic for as long as I've, uh, as I've known about him, just a workhorse. He just goes out there every week and you know what you're going to get. You're going to, I know he didn't have a great outing this week, but generally he's going to go seven innings. He'll give up, you know, anywhere between one and three runs. And you're going to have a really good chance to win. And in the IBL, if your starter gives up three runs over seven, you should probably win that baseball game. And he's been doing that consistently uh, in his three starts. He's stayed under that number twice, and they've lost both of those games. And so um, they need to supplement uh, supplement him. You can't lose Owen Boone starts if you want to have a successful season. That's just something you can't do. Uh, you look at Guelph and why Guelph was so good in the standings last year. They just didn't lose Custodio starts, um, and Custodio was so dominant, and he'd give up one run, maybe two a game, and you just knew you were going to win that day because the offense was was pretty good, and they were going to score four or five runs. Uh, for London, they're going to need to find that stride, and Reichstein's been fantastic for them in the middle of the order, as he always is, uh, 2021 playoff MVP, Byron Reichstein, uh, but he also needs a little bit more help. Um, I know their their new import catcher. Uh, obviously, it's tough for, to replace a guy like Robert Mullen. Um, but I believe his name's DeLeon. Do I have that right? I think you do. Yeah, I can't find him here. But, yeah, they're, uh, DeOlio. DeOlio. Um, he's, been, he's been really good for them. He's got a 415 average with five homers and 15 RBIs. So... Their three four hitters are, are doing their job. The middle of the order is doing their job, um, but they need they need the rest of the cast to step up. And I do think they're better than this. I don't think they're the second worst team, uh, but so far it's tough to argue that they've been better than any of the teams above them. Fair. Now, moving into the middle of the I call it the middle of the pack, that kind of six five four area. Um, you have a team at number six that's led by quite a talented infielder, uh, Markham Ontario's own Brando Leroux of the Guelph Royals. He was actually named Batter of the Week. Did you know that? Of course, I did. You, of course you knew yep. that. For those of you who don't know, yes, named Batter of the Week. He batted five sixty three. He went nine for sixteen. For those of you who are Looking to do the math there. That's 9 for 16. Driving in 7 RBI. Yeah, 7 RBIs, 2 triples, and he scored 9 runs. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. So, 
would he be uh, considered that uh, kind of that that underdog or that workhorse for bringing uh, Guelph from eighth to sixth in this week's power rankings? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he was the a big best part hitter. of it at least. Yeah, he was the best hitter in the league, which means he was obviously the best hitter on the team, and so he he definitely carried that. And it's it's really impressive to see the shift that he's had from one year to the next. Uh, Brando LaRue is, I think he's either 19 or 20. He's very, very young. Um, just in his second season in the IBL. And last year, he had a respectable year. He had 280 over 100 at-bats um, with uh, with seven doubles. But you already look at it, and his production is nearly the same that he had last year in half the at-bats. He has one less RBI, um, just two less extra bases, He's almost got the same number of hits, and like I mentioned, he has 100 less at-bats. He's hitting 100 points better on his batting average than he did a year ago. And so he's – and you'll see this a lot with, with young guys in the IBL. First year is a trying year, uh, especially for for most newcomers, but especially for the young uh, rookies. And, uh, you know, he held his own, but he definitely did have his struggles as well. But this year he's uh, – He's definitely turned a corner, and defensively, he's been excellent too. And so, having a middle infield there of Connor Morrow and Brando Larue, they boast one of the best middle infields in the league. And so, if they're going to continue to climb up the rankings, they're going to need those guys to pretty much carry the offense after losing Sean Riley from their lineup, who is the greatest IBL hitter of all time. Um, with him retiring, uh, you know the the new guys and the young guys are going to have to step it up and. Uh, Brando LaRue has definitely held his end of the bargain. Now they got a little bit of a tough task this week ahead. I understand that they, uh, they're they going to be meeting those red-hot Welland jackfish not once, but twice over the next five days. Anything can happen in baseball. We've seen that time and time again. No matter what league of baseball you're watching, it's one of the best sports for unpredictability. It's incredibly random. Incredibly random. Yep. What does Guelph need to do to at least steal one from the Jackfish? They need a pitch, um, and they their pitching has been better, um, but I still think they would like to see more from their pitchers. Um, now, there's a chance that we get radioed here because they do play tonight, and by the time that we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, by the time that this goes out, good chance the game's already happened or at least is in the process of happening. But um, I do think that uh, that Guelph has a chance to take a game from well in this week, um, especially with tonight being at home on a Tuesday. Uh, those IBL midweek games are always the most unpredictable. They, uh, you know, you got teams fourth starters, fifth starters going. I'm not exactly sure who's throwing tonight for either side, but um, – yeah, they got to pitch. They can't beat themselves. They got to play good defense, and they got to get timely hitting. It's kind of the same formula that um, that most teams will want to follow, especially when you're the less talented team, right? Control, control what you can control. Because Wellen's gonna, they're gonna score their runs. They're gonna get their, they're gonna get their hits. They're gonna score their runs. And what you definitely don't want to do against the Wellen Jackfish is go into the eighth or ninth inning trailing, because the game is over. You are not going to come back against Davey Mendez, or you cannot, you at least can't count on it. Um, 
He's one of the most electrifying arms I've ever seen in this league. And when he comes in, it's pretty much curtains. So, you know, have the lead, uh, play from in front. It's going to be really tough to be Welland if you're uh, if you're chasing the game. Well, a team that's known or I guess discovering that it's tough to win, but although on the other hand they found it's equally as easy to win because they're five and five, they're the most average team in the league right now, and I mean that respectfully, of course. And I don't know what the hell a bay cat is, but maybe you can explain that to me. Um, I just accepted it a long time ago that that's just their name. <laughs> it, it sounds good, though. The Barry sound, Baycats. It sounds great. I mean, to be a Baycat, I mean, that just sounds majestic. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that's not quite majestic has been their play, although respectful, sure, um, at 5-5. Five and five. Um, They're just kind of mediocre. Um, what about their mediocrity has stuck out to you as the most surprising part of their mediocrity? Barry is maybe the most difficult team for me to evaluate. Um, and when I write these when I write these rankings and I sit in front of my laptop, of all of the teams, they're the team I have the least to say about. Um, and that's not necessarily to be disrespectful or anything. Um, and I know you know some of it may have come off as disrespectful, but uh, I really don't mean it that way. Obviously, it's just they're they're not super interesting they're just they're kind of all right at everything you know um their pitching staff has pitched well uh their offense hasn't been great but they kind of sit where I thought they were gonna sit um coming into the season right around that middle of the pack and that's what that's what makes them it makes it difficult for me to 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 write about them because I don't really not much of what has happened there has really surprised me. I guess on a positive note, um, Evan Souls has been outstanding for them. Uh, and he has, um, you know, he won pitcher of the week, week one, and he's been one of their most reliable arms. But for the most part, I it's just, they're, they're very much just middle of the pack. Now, obviously, you know, they're in control of their own destiny. And as we said at the very start, and it's, kind of a theme and it's going to be a theme going forward of if you don't like what we have to say then play better and don't give us a choice but at the same time it's uh uh yeah like last year I had Barry or sorry not last year going into the season I had Barry ranked six right now they're sitting at five and they've kind of floated between five six and seven they've kind of been in that tier right um and last season 21 and 20 right this season five and five to start so they've been very much that middle of the pack team uh and so it's a tough place to be right because now in the IBL it's it's there's not really rebuilding that happens there's no draft or anything um but they're gonna need to you know I think the biggest thing for them is is finding a dominant arm and I think Frank Garces was that dominant arm a few years ago uh had one of the most incredible seasons that we've ever seen in the league um but since then it's been five years and so he's not the same pitcher, and it's unrealistic to expect him to be that guy. Same with Emilis Guerrero, right? He was a part of their championship wins. Um, and so those two guys, yeah, if you had them leading your pitching staff five years ago, you're in a great spot, you know? And I still think they're both relatively effective, but you can't expect those guys to be your number one and number two. 
especially with the talent around the league getting better as well. So I think that they need to um, supplement those guys with with a, an, a, a legit number one starter, a guy who can just go out there and win a game every single week, a guy like an Owen Boone, uh, for example. You know, And I think that's the one thing they've been missing since their glory days. Well, speaking of glory days, you got another team that's creeping up the ranks. They did fall from three to four this week, but they do have IBL pitcher of the week, Christian Hauk. I think I'm saying that right. Yes. Christian Hauk. Um, off to the best start of his seven-year career, arguably. Um, he is the one leading the league in ERA with a 2.2 ERA. What can you say about the Panthers and speak maybe a little bit about the success that Hauk has had on uh, on the Panthers? Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll start with, with Christian Hauk. So me and Hauk, um, we came in the league around the same time. I think he may have been a year after me. Um, so I've seen a lot of him uh, in the league. And also, um, when I coached the Laurier Golden Hawks in 2019, when I was the pitching coach there, Christian Hauk was the ace of that team. And so I had the privilege of... Um, getting to coach Christian in his last year of college baseball. And I'll be honest, in the OUA, I didn't really do a whole lot of coaching when it came to him. I just kind of let him go out there and do his thing because he was so dominant. Um, But the one thing I've seen from Christian his entire career is that while he has dominant stuff, a lot of times he nibbles around the corners of the strike zone. And so he finds himself in a lot of deep counts, doesn't necessarily go really deep into games because he's up at 90 pitches after five innings or four innings. Um, finds ways to escape trouble because his stuff is so good. Um, but he's constantly putting himself in positions where it's tough for him to go deep and, and have that constant success. The one thing I've seen this year is he's far more aggressive in the strike zone. Um, and he's not getting into those deep counts and he's just going right after hitters. Um, I haven't gotten to see him pitch live yet this year and I, I'm looking to, to do that soon. Um, but from what I've gathered from following the games and watching them on YouTube, he seems to be far more aggressive. He's pitching with a lot of confidence and confidence is never something that he's lacked. He's always been um, an incredibly confident pitcher. Uh, It's just nice to see that he's, he's finally attacking the strike zone on a consistent basis and trusting that his stuff is as good as it is. Um, And so I do think that maybe a 2.2 ERA might not be sustainable just based solely on the fact that he pitches at Jack couch. And also the league is very good, but I think his success in terms of him being one of the top arms, um, I think he definitely has the potential to be that. Uh, in terms of the Kitchener Panthers, they got off to a really hot start, and they've cooled off a little bit since. Um, and so that's that's where I kind of struggle with where to place them. They're clearly much better than they were last year. Uh, they uh, Last year they finished sixth, I believe in the league, but they were part of that bottom tier. They got swept by Welland in the, in the first round. And this year, Christian Houck mainly has taken a massive step forward. Liam Wilson and Andy Leader now have support in that lineup with, excuse me, with, uh, with Raul, the new, uh, the new shortstop there, uh, who's been one of the best hitters in the league. I believe he was player of the month, uh, the first month of the season. Uh, Elliot Curtis, who has been hurt the last couple weeks, but he should be back soon. Uh, so with that support, their offense has taken a step and gotten significantly more dangerous. One of the most dangerous middle of the orders in the league. And then you combine that with the fact that they play at Jack Couch, uh, which 
you know, Jack Couch and Christy Pitts are notorious for being very, very hitter friendly. Uh, it's going to be tough to beat them if they get any pitching whatsoever. And so that's kind of what you've seen this year is when they get pitching, they win. And when they don't, they lose. Um, and so I think that their pitching staff still isn't necessarily the deepest. And they need to find a way to supplement that a little bit, especially the bullpen. Uh, but if how can continue to be that number one guy and their offense continues to stay where they're at, they're going to be a very scary team uh, going forward. Well, you talk about scary teams and geez, it's like you're, you're a great segue guy. Yeah. Yeah. You create the best segues Two scary teams. Um, and I kind of pocket them together because you had mentioned about your tier system. Um, but the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Hamilton Cardinals, um, Two teams that, in my view, again, more of that kind of fan breaking in and now dissecting it. Um, you can kind of interchange the two of them by the looks of it kind of right now. You know, they're they're both strong teams offensively. They both get good pitching. They can both kind of run away with a game by the looks, you know, a couple, couple hits, couple home runs, and you got yourself a blowout. Um what do these two teams need to do in order to keep their pace? Um, I understand, you know, granted they are different teams who probably have different needs, um, but Toronto and Hamilton, number three and number two, respectively, on the list this week. Yeah, I'll start with uh, I'll start with Hamilton, and um, I'll uh, I'll talk a little bit from the inside and what I think is one of the massive differences with just the way they're playing is and um, having played for this guy for for the first five years of my career five and a half years um i think i can speak pretty well on that is the return of dean castelli at the helm uh has made a massive massive impact uh two-time manager of the year in 2018 and 19 uh, back-to-back seasons there with hamilton uh dean just has this way about him that when you're playing the game you just play free and you play loose and you're not afraid to mess up and you're not afraid to make mistakes and it allows you to play at the best of your ability um, and he inspires confidence uh, into the group. And so I think that's why you see Hamilton playing so consistently um, is because Dean is always at a level. He's always very level, very stoic. He's not going to yell at umps very often. He's not going to, um, you know, go kicking and screaming. Uh, and he's also not going to get, you know, very upset or way too excited about any single win. Uh, he's just very level-headed. And so I think that allows the rest of the team to kind of take on that identity as well and, and play at that level. Um, and so, like, they've been, as I mentioned earlier, they've been incredibly consistent this year. Good pitching, good defense. Uh, Sunday kind of got away from them a little bit, but they were nip and tuck with well in the entire way. You know, um, I was in attendance for that game. They lost 9-4, uh, to four, but they were down 5-4 with two guys on in the eighth inning. Or was it the eighth? Yeah, it was the eighth inning. And so, like, they were right in that game. And, you know, Wellen's obviously a very talented team and you're going to lose every once in a while. But, you know, just got off a three game set against Toronto and they took two of those games. And uh, and yeah, so they're they're very interesting because I don't actually I wouldn't consider them to be a scary team. Um, I think most teams go into Hamilton and they're not necessarily scared that they're going to get blown out. But, you know, you're in for a dogfight every time and you know that you're it's not going to be an easy win. Uh, and Bernie Arbor used to be a place that you walk into and it's a pretty easy win. But, um, you know, I think that the way that they've played and the identity they've taken on, they're a very scrappy group who 
they're not going to make anything easy on you. And so that's uh, that's kind of how I see them. When it comes to Toronto, uh, they're – now you want to talk about a scary offense. That is a scary offense. Um, with the Especially adding a guy like Jesse Hodges, um, Marcus Connect is expected to be back at some point soon. And they're already probably the top offense in the league without Marcus Connect. Um, and so they – their offense is incredibly scary. They're liable to put up 15 runs on you any given day. And for them, it's the same thing that it's always been. It's do they have enough pitching to get it done? And for pretty much every year, the answer has been no. Now, last year they were fortunate. They had Angel Castro, former big leaguer, uh, at the front of their rotation. Franklin Hernandez at the back end of their bullpen. Those two are absolutely dynamite for them. But this year... It doesn't look like they have that guy right now. And so Sam Green is an effective starter. But I think, again, similar to um, to the Frank Garces thing, you know, a very solid number two. He's not necessarily a I'm going to go out there and throw seven shutout innings every time kind of guy. Right. right? And so uh, Toronto's done a really good job of building around their park because obviously Christy Pitts is hitter friendly and you got a bunch of guys who hit homers. Um but yeah, the question for them is just going to be, do they have enough pitching? And their pitching has slipped up recently, and that's why you see them kind of slide down the rankings a little bit. But I fully expect them to be there uh, come the end of the season as another really strong contender. Well, that brings us to number one in this week's power rankings. The Welland Jackfish. That's right, the 9-2 Welland Jackfish, who, for anybody who doesn't know, and this is not a plug, but like, go check out their social media on game days um, if you can't make the game, because even just their social media like encapsules that environment. Fans and first, fun always. Dude, it makes me want to be a Jelland, a Jelland, a Welland Jackfish. It does, it makes me want to be one. Um, it just looks so fun to be to be at the ballpark and the team looks like they're flying right now obviously having a great stretch of games mm-hmm. um and that plus 42 run differential means that they're not just scoring runs but they're scoring runs in bunches mm-hmm. these guys know how to hit mm-hmm. what is there to say about about a team that's number one well, first of all, we got to get you out to a game in Welland. It's Please. it's a it's a time. If you've never been to a game in Welland, um, and this goes for anyone listening, it's it's a great great environment. It's a very uh, it's the closest thing you'll get to a minor league environment in Southern Ontario. Um, and Ryan Harrison, the owner there, he's really pushed the envelope, uh, and I think it's made the league as a whole better. And when I go when I talked about at the start about the league feeling more professional and feeling more um, like it should be taken seriously. Uh, I think at the forefront of that, it's the well and Jackfish that are very, res- that are strongly responsible for that. And you look at how everybody has kind of pushed the envelope, right? Hamilton's uh, new ownership, you know, they're doing a lot of similar things to what they're doing in Welland. Uh, you know, Barry was one of the teams along with Welland that was, um, that really put an emphasis on the broadcast uh, and the game day experience. And, you can see it from when Barry won six straight championships, right? And so they're really pushing the envelope when it comes to that game day experience and making it a place to want to 
not just watch a game, but a place that you want to play, you know? Uh, it's it's a whole lot of fun to go and play in front of 2,000 people every night, you know? Um, and so that's, that's what I have to say in terms of the off-field stuff. In terms of the on-field stuff, um, yeah, man, those boys can hit. Uh, they're... I believe they're currently leading the league in runs per game uh, just ahead of Toronto. Maybe just, yeah, just ahead of uh, just ahead of Toronto in terms of runs per game. And uh, yeah, they, they have that, that formula of um, just a bunch of dudes who are really passionate about being there and, and really enjoy being in Welland and, you know, going out there and just, just playing the game. Uh, you know, they're one through nine, they're dangerous. And that's really saying something considering they lost maybe the best player in the IBL, Justin Gideon in the off season, uh, who's now playing in Quebec in the frontier league. Um, it's really hard to replace a guy like that, but they found a way they've, uh, they, they haven't missed a beat. Their nine game winning streak is the longest in franchise history. I don't think they even had a nine game winning streak when they were in Burlington either. Um, wow. prior to being in Welland. And so, they have been they they've been easily the class of the league uh, ever since that first week, you know. And I think that first week was actually good for them because, um, you know, they had really high expectations coming into the year. Uh, everyone was kind of expecting them to be near or at the top of the standings and to be competing for an IBL championship. And for them to go and get their key, their their teeth kicked in uh, and lose back to back games to start the year. I think that left a sour taste in their mouth, and I think that they've put the league on notice ever since with uh, with their play recently. Well, I had the pleasure of watching the Jackfish play. It was against Toronto, and I do believe it was within that first week of the season. Was it within that first week? Oh, geez, I'm getting I think it would have been the second week. It might have been. We'll take Either way, um, we're going to pull that up. Um, I know that... Uh, Sam had a homer that game. Sam Cocker had a homer that game. And Brandon Underhill, shout out to Brandon Underhill. He came in um, and pitched in that game. Um, and the Bushmen, again, the Bushmen were really giving it to um, Welland infielder uh, Luis. Luis Lu- Jean. Luis Jean, yep. who uh, shouts Luis Jean, you share a birthday with me. Really? August 17th, except I'm a year older, so shouts to me. Nice. I'm, yeah, what can I say? Um, yeah, we share a birthday, August 17th, so shout out uh, shout out August birthdays. Um, yeah, no, they just look like they're like they're on fire um, and on top of the world. And uh, yeah, let's get me to a Welland, a Welland game. Let's do it. Down. Yeah. Um, yeah, that game against Toronto was uh, the end of week two. End uh, of week Sunday, two. Yes. There we go. All right. And they scored, I believe, 11 runs on five hits. That was one of the games where Toronto really, really beat themselves um, on the mound. But, you know, give credit, give credit to Welland for, for finding a way to shut that down. And Big it time. goes back to what I said about Davey Mendez, right? Like, if you're, if you're tired of trailing going into the eighth inning, you're probably going to lose that game because that dude is an absolute he's, – he's nails. He, uh, if I remember correctly, he went into that game – and Toronto actually got a couple guys on against them. They had second and third and nobody out. Mm-hmm. And then Devi said, okay, that's enough. I'm going to throw baseballs really hard now. And just went punch out, punch out, punch he out. Throws gas. He throws gas. He, uh, they had him up to 96 um, last week. Uh, in Hamilton, he was sitting 93, 94. And that's probably because it was a little bit of a colder day. 
Um, and you got to remember, he's from the Dominican, right? So this is cold for him. Just wait till the weather heats up, right? And we might see a 97, we might see a 98. And in a league where you don't see 97s and 98s, it's it's really, really difficult to uh, to beat a guy like that. Um, Jake Harford, continuing where he left off from last year, having a really strong season. Hogan Brown has been a, a really nice surprise for them. Uh, he, last year he was, he played, he was on and off, right? Kind of came off the bench a lot uh, last season. Uh, again, the outfield was really crowded with, uh, with Gideon, Morello, and Nicholson uh, all there. It's really tough when you have a guy like Gio Morello who man center field, uh, Justin Gideon who might be the best player. He was probably the best player in the IBL last year. I know he didn't win MVP, but, um, you know, what was it? I think it was like 19 or 21 homers or something like that. Uh, and then Brandon Nicholson, who set the all-time record for stolen bases last year. Tough to find playing time there. But now that it's opened up a little bit, Hogan's really made himself, uh, his presence felt in that lineup, um, hitting just over 400 uh, at this point. James Smybert having a really, really strong start to his season. Sam Cocker hitting the ball out of the yard a lot like last year. Steven Moretto's been an outstanding addition for them. Um, and the scary thing is that Luis Jean hasn't even really hit that well yet. And they're doing all this offense. And that's really the luxury of having a lineup like that is if a couple of guys are off, you can you can bet on the fact that there's going to be enough guys that are on. And so you're not going to need to do everything. Um if you're uh, if you're one of the guys in the lineup, and so I have a really hard time seeing them slow down. I do think there are a couple of teams that can catch them and 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 give them a run for their money. Uh, mainly Toronto, Kitchener, and kind of on the outside there, Hamilton as well. But there's no question who the who who the top dog is right now. Well, Chris, we gotta. Start to get out of here. I you told me to take a look at the time, and it's been a lot uh, longer than we thought. It's been it was a lot be. longer, folks. I can assure you, going forward, it's going to be a little shorter. And by a little shorter, I mean probably like a half hour shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, quick hits, that kind of stuff. But we really wanted to, I guess, break down. Um, you know, not just knowledge, but just a little bit about the teams, a little bit about the league. Um, as we're on our way out, what is the matchup to watch this week? Um, and maybe who who would be your two, or maybe even just one player to keep your eye on if you're an outsider looking in? Yeah, to kind of to, to go off of your point uh, just there. Uh, yeah, it's it was longer because this is our first time doing it, and we have five weeks of uh, of action to talk about. That's right? true. Going forward, we're gonna have we're gonna be doing this probably every week. Um, you know, here and there, depending on on. Um, uh, prior commitments, maybe sure. we'll miss a week here and there, but um, yeah, this is this is going to be coming to you every week, and uh, you know it'll be a lot quicker because now we've built a foundation. But that was that was really the key here. That was and five weeks in one hour. That's crazy. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> I think I think we actually did okay. That's pretty good. Um, and uh, but yeah, so uh, this week uh, the matchup I really have an eye on, um, and I'm going to try to make it out there for this game, but I don't know if I will. Is Thursday night. Uh, Kitchener at Welland. Um, Kitchener's the one of the only teams that have beat uh, Welland this season, and they um, they dummied them, quite frankly, uh, at home in the second game of the season. Uh, completely bum-rushed them. 
blew them out of the building. That game wasn't close by the fourth or fifth inning. Uh, and it'll be it'll be really interesting. I expect Christian Hauk to start that game. Uh, that may or may not happen, but uh, considering he started last Thursday, that sets him up to be on that Thursday schedule. And it's Wellen's going to be in tough going up against one of the better uh, one of the better pitchers in the league with uh, with Christian there, and an offense that might have Elliot Curtis back in the lineup as well. Uh, you know, a murderer's row in the middle with Liam Wilson, uh, Raul Gonzalez, and Andy Leader. So that's that's really the matchup that I have my eye on. And kind of on the same note, player I've got my eye on as well is Christian Houck. And to see how he does against uh, the number one team in the league right now. And see if he's able to figure something out that not many others have this season. Um, and so that's... Uh, I think that's definitely uh, if I if you had to pick one game to tune into this week, that would be the one. The other honorable mention would be Friday night in London uh, between Toronto and London. Uh, London's got to turn this thing around really quickly. They have lost twice to Toronto already this year, but that's also the team they've beaten back to back seasons in the finals. And so uh, a little bit of a rivalry, a little bit of a grudge match there. Uh, so those are those are really the two the two key matchups that I would look at for for this coming week. Right on. And like we mentioned, we are recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, and uh, in a couple of hours, first pitch between Welland and Guelph at seven thirty at Hastings Stadium. So no matter where you're listening, if you have the opportunity to check out the game, make sure you head on down to Hastings. Should be a good time. Um, Chris, thank you. Been a pleasure. This is going to be fun. I'm gonna fun. I'm gonna learn a lot, and I'm gonna you know get to get a chance to uh, get a little bit of inside scoop from uh, well from an insider. Yeah, hopefully we can get some uh, we can get some players maybe uh, maybe some uh, some GMs or managers or something like that on here as well. Hey, it'd be it'd be neat. Hey, I think uh, if you're listening, players, don't be afraid. Hit us up. Yeah, We'd feel love free to reach out. We just want to talk to you. We just want to learn about the league, learn about your role, teach me a few things, you know? Yeah, you guys all tell me how you feel about my power rankings anyway. You might as well uh, reach out and come on the show. Boom. <laughs> that is the mic drop we are ending on, folks. For myself, Andrew Stewitz, that is Chris Lazar. Have yourselves a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll catch you next time on Inside the IBL.